Hello, intrepid listeners. This is show creator Nicole Knudsen. Please be advised that the second art piece featured in this episode, titled Woman Carrying a Coffin, contains discussion of grief and loss. Please take care of yourselves, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Nature's Panoply, 1965. Roxana Castillo, Chromogenic Prince. When Pantone introduced their now-famous color matching system in 1963, it was a revelation in the world of design and art. It codified an array of 500 colors so that they might be perfectly replicable time and time again. The consistency it offered was unmatched and quickly became the industry standard. Castillo, who had been working with color photography for over a decade at the time of the Pantone matching system's unveiling, found creative inspiration in it. She sought to capture in photographs all 500 originally released colors, using the natural world as her muse and subject. She rejected anything fabricated or manufactured. Only naturally occurring subjects would do for her vision, be they the colors of changing leaves across seasons or a particular shade of blue in someone's eyes, or the deep purple of a butterfly's wings. The sequence of 500 postcard-sized photographs displayed on the wall before you is the end result of two years' worth of work. Castillo arranged the photos to resemble a ray of light passing through and bursting from a prism, splitting into an infinite spectrum of color. The vast majority of the photographs have mundane stories behind them, captured simply because the subjects caught Castillo's eye and matched a shade that was missing from her current collection. But many are more personal in nature, and were among Castillo's favorites in the array. For example, the deep, rich brown of coffee in a simple mug, coffee brewed by her father, made from beans grown in the coffee farms not far from her childhood home. The faded, dusky orange of a flower petal, which came from a bouquet gifted to her by Annabelle Godfrey early on in their courtship, and which she'd pressed and saved. The close-up of her giggling nephew's lips, stained red from a feast of pomegranate seeds. And many more besides. Each of these more personal photographs is notated with the brief story that brought them into being, should you choose to bruise them. It is an impressive project, wondrous in its scope and variety of subjects. But there is one photograph in the series that is, shall we say, more curious than the rest? It is also, if you've chosen to count all the pictures in the display, the 501st picture included on the wall. You'll find it at the furthest end of this deconstructed prismatic ray of light, where blues and indigos and violets fade deeper and darker until only pure black remains. The curious photo in question is the one beyond those. It is impossibly deeper and impossibly darker than even the pitchest black in the series and in Pantone's matching system. The color, or perhaps more accurately lack of color, occupies the entirety of the picture. There is a sense of emptiness to it, an emptiness that wants to be filled, as if if you were to touch the smooth surface of the photograph, 
Your hand could plunge into its depths and never reach anything tangible, a void of something beyond shadow. Fun fact, Castillo took this mysterious final photograph somewhere on the Godfrey Estates property. She never revealed exactly where, though, nor what the subject was. Attention, Godfrey guests. Attention. Our staff has just been informed that the woman in Green Woman Emerges from Mid-Century Modern Wall has, well, moved. She remains mysteriously tethered horizontally by her feet to the left-hand wall of the gallery she calls home. The lurid green and white pattern on her body and the walls around her remains unchanged. But, according to reports, she has sat up. Or rather, lifted her torso? In any case, her figure now makes a right angle, her torso running parallel to the wall, where before, her whole contorted body ran parallel to the ground. Her face remains turned away from where both guests and staff may view her. Her features still elude observation and study. We don't actually know if this development is cause for concern, but this is the first instance of its kind since she arrived at the estate in 1956, so better to be safe than sorry. We do apologize if the alarm proves to be unwarranted. We try not to scare our guests unless we deem it necessary for their well-being. We appreciate your understanding. Please stay tuned for further updates. Woman Carrying a Coffin 1936. Luis Arenal Bastar. Cellulose nitrate and oil on canvas. A somber and ethereal scene is at play in this work. The solitary figure of a woman walks away from the viewer along an empty stretch of a path lined to the left by a long, tall slab of slate-gray wall, and to the right by a sunken field of yellow flowers. Both the path beneath the woman's feet and the flowers beside her stretch onward to the horizon, where they meet a cloudy sky within which hangs the small white orb of a full moon. It is its light which bathes the scene and robs all colors of their vibrancy. The woman, as the title of this work states, carries a small gray coffin upon her head, held in place with a deft hand as she journeys along this lonely, moonlit road. Who might this woman be? What burden does she carry with her to bury? Why does she bear it alone? The coffin is small. Perhaps it belongs to a child. Her own child? Someone else's? Clearly, if it belongs to a child, they were beloved by this painting subject, mother or not. For there is something in this painting that speaks of grief. This funeral procession of one beneath the gentle light of the moon, whose illumination is more forgiving than the glaring brilliance of day. Some things are more easily expressed in the dark, in solitude. That hideous beast called grief demands privacy when it bursts the dam of self-control and bellows its roar from the lips of the one it afflicts. It can emerge without fear of judgment or pity in the dark safety of night and an empty countryside where curious eyes are less likely to witness it. Or perhaps who or what rests within the coffin is not so literal, 
There is a surreal, ephemeral feel to the scene, an emotional truth as much as, and maybe more than, a literal one. For people are not the only things that we lay to rest. Dreams, too, fade and die, or must otherwise be let go, lest they consume us. Many go peacefully, contentedly, changing as we change, growing as we grow. Others do not go quietly, dreams set aside out of necessity for the sake of survival. Dreams, the thought of which nourished the soul but failed to nourish the body. Dreams chased after, worked towards, blood, sweat, and years and years poured into them that never came within reach, deferred and deferred to the point of explosion, as Langston Hughes once wrote. Grief throws back its head and howls for those deaths, too. They, too, deserve the respect and the dignity of a burial, a ritual of farewell for what might have been. What do you think rests in the coffin that the woman carries? A young one who was loved and lost? Hopes that never came to fruition? Perhaps it is both, for after all, children are dreams too. Dreams of the future. Dreams of what could be. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knutson, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva, Chumash, and Keech territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us. Or two. Or three. Or everyone you know. To keep up with The Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide, or visit our website, thegodfreyaudioguide.com. For Godfrey merchandise, visit our online store, thegodfreyaudioguide.threadless.com. And finally, if you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thegodfreyaudioguide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts available as public posts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum. The nesting zone is surrounded by a 500-foot-tall hedge jungle. A rim of tropic glacial paradise, gnawed ceaselessly by paleomythic reptiles. (laughs) You think the chameleons have a sense of humor? I think the chameleons have a sense of everything. Every few days, a battle fight breaks out. Automatic weapon fire popping against the extra-dimensional moons of megafauna. Peekaboo, I'll eat you. Staying sane isn't an option here. No one is ever going to hear your story. The ones you're trying to tell. Ectothermic angels on all fours, vomiting out the blood of heaven to bless the battlefield. They're all going to be eaten. If you're listening to this story in hopes of finding meaning, go ahead and slice your ears off. Come on, tell me, how close can you stare at the tip of 
a knife. The Great Chameleon War. 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 A surreal audio drama. Visit thegreatchameleonwar.com for more. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.